What's up everyone and welcome to the weekly edition of ESG Now where we cover how the environment, our society, and corporate governance affects and are affected by our economy. I'm your host Mike DiCibato and this week we have one big story for you. It's about China, it's about the real estate market, and it's about the late night resignation of auditors that is rocking the vital industry. So thanks as always for joining us. Stay tuned. Independent financial auditors are dull. Not as people. I'm sure they're great as people. But just the act of auditing financial documents. It's austere. It's regimented. It's a systemic annual examination of a company's accounting and financial records to assure their accuracy. They are a cornerstone of good governance, though, and all publicly traded companies get them done. And let me tell you, independent auditing firms don't really like to be in the news. They will do anything they can to ensure they aren't in the news, which is why the constant stream of news about auditor resignations at Chinese real estate development companies is so damn troubling. In March, PricewaterhouseCoopers, which, if you're just joining us, is one of the big auditing firms. There used to be five big auditing firms, but then the Enron scandal happened. PwC, as they're called, quit as auditors at three developers, Ronshine China Holdings, Powerlong Real Estate Holdings, and Shamao Group Holdings. They also quit at two linked property management companies, Ronshine Service Holdings and Powerlong Commercial Management. When auditors publicly resign, it sometimes means that they've seen or heard revelations about what are actually on the balance sheets of companies that they are auditing that cannot be fixed, even though they've likely tried over and over and over and over and over again to fix them, and they are deciding to distance themselves from those companies in case the situation gets so bad, in the hypothetical, that the big four auditing firms turn into the big three auditing firms. Now, this is an ESG story that has two parts to it, and the first is how important the real estate market is for China, because it is extremely important for China, more so than any other country in the world. But don't take my word for that. Listen to my colleague in Singapore, Miranda Carr, who has been talking about the Chinese real estate market for over a decade, and she's going to tell you why. Well, so the real estate market in China has historically been one of the most important economic drivers. The general estimate is it accounts for about 25% of GDP. And it's in times of market stress, it's been crucially supported uh, by both the monetary authorities and, of course, the central government in order to maintain both property prices and confidence within the market. So 25%, let me cut in here real quick. 25% is a lot when your industry is that much of a share of GDP, especially GDP as big as China's. Let's compare that to two other economies, the UK. The UK, uh, the real estate market is only 20% of their GDP. In the US, it's only 17%. You remember what happened when a certain market sector failed in the US in 2008. That was a big problem. So the fact that China has more than 25% of its GDP tied up into its real estate activities is a big deal. And that's not just property development, that's builders, that's homeowners, that's people that put their life savings into banks that then lend out for people to buy homes with. It is tied in everything that China does, and it is an extremely important part of that economy and society. But during all this time, over the past 10 years, where you've seen... um government support for the market, you've also had rising levels of leverage, um, particularly in the for the private companies, and also 
rising concerns about house prices and also about things like ghost cities where the developers would just build, overbuild, you would get overcapacity and there wouldn't be the demand. So over the past 10 years, we've had constant um, calls that there's going to be a bubble, that the property market is going to burst, and then this is going to drag China's whole economy down with it. And this has been one of the sort of major bear calls on China um, over the past over the past 10 years. But what we're seeing now with the auditor resignations and the question marks over raising financing um, and also the resignation of some of the directors is that this is the first major event where you're seeing confidence in the market being dented really on a domestic level. And this is what's causing the main concern. So what Miranda means there when she says that confidence is being dented on a domestic level, it's that international interlopers and interlocutors were saying things like China's real estate market is going to fail. And it never really did for about 10 years. But those were external pressures. Those were international pressures. Now there is this domestic level problem happening that is signaling the possible last toll for the Chinese real estate market. And now you take that problem and you add the importance of the historical migration of Chinese citizens from rural to urban areas, the fact that the Chinese market is one where companies could sell properties before they are finished, and the eye-watering leverage the companies have taken on, and you have a crisis on par with any that we have seen in the world economy. A possible crisis. It seems to be happening. That's why we're talking about this today. And no company represented this looming miasma more than a company called China Evergrande. Evergrande sort of came out of nowhere a couple of decades ago and has had an annual revenue growth of 44% annualized. They went from being worth about 200 million US dollars in 2004 to 79.8 billion US dollars in 2020. And they did that in part by receiving the unenviable title of the world's most indebted company. And over the past couple of years, China Evergrande has fallen onto hard times due to, as Miranda noted, domestic pressures. That's the important part, along with much of the Chinese real estate market. Now, to tell us more about those domestic pressures, here is my colleague, Sophia Chang. So the company has been struggling to repay debts and fails to meet interest payments to its international investors. To be frank, um, so sorry, to to improve its liquidity positions, China Evergrande has been selling assets in recent months to raise money. The company also recently set up a risk management committee in December 2021 for debt restructuring plans. It is a non-board-level committee chaired by the board chairman, He Kaiyan, and it complies of two senior executives of the company and some officials from the state entities. But however, the worries over its financial health is still mounting, especially after the company announced they were not able to release its 2021 annual results on time, which is supposed to uh, suppose the first financial reporting since the industry's debt crisis spread. Yeah, when you have rumors of a debt crisis spreading and you create a risk management committee to show you have a good governance structure and yet you don't release your austere auditor's reports for the year, well, people start to get worried. But as Miranda noted, the China Evergrande crisis has been going on for some time. Why have auditors just now decided to publicly resign? 
Well, the reason is those domestic pressures. Why Evergrande could become the most indebted company in the world is because it had access to bank lending. And no investor, either domestic or international, or lender, either domestic or international, used to worry about Evergrande's massive leverage because they assumed the Chinese government would not let the company fail. And the Chinese government was aware of this problem. The industry, the real estate industry, was growing too quickly. Companies like Evergrande were becoming like the Lehman Brothers of the financial crisis in the U.S. in 2008. So in 2020, the Chinese government did two things. It told companies to slow down their mortgage issuances, and it created a policy called the three red line policy, which are basically three debt ratios that Chinese real estate developers must meet in order to gain access to the all important bank loans. And so here's my colleague, Yan Zhuo, explaining what those debt ratios are. The liability ratio, which would now be more than 70% of the assets, uh, also ex excluding some advanced proceeds from the project certain contract. And the second threshold would be the net debt, which should not be exceed uh, the total uh, total equity. And then finally, the cash must not be at least equal to must must be at least equal to the short term borrowings. Okay, let's go through those liability to asset ratio less than seventy percent. Does Evergrande meet that? No. A net gearing ratio less than 100%. Net gearing compares equity to funds borrowed by the company. Does Evergrande meet that? No. A cash to short-term debt ratio more than one, meaning does a company have more cash than they have short-term debt? Does Evergrande meet that? No, they do not. They don't meet any of the three. In fact, according to reporting by the Financial Times, the Wall Street Journal, Bloomberg, etc., more than half of China's real estate development companies couldn't meet those thresholds, which quickly cooled the loan market for real estate developers in China. So uh, also, but we noticed that in fact, the loans are suddenly reduced very quick, so which is faster than everyone have, um, has expected. Everyone got a splash of water in their face. There was the slowdown of the entire real estate market in China. There was no access to bank loans. Then there was the advice by the government to have companies slow down the issuance of mortgage loans. And then consumer demand also slowed down. And this meant that recently a lot of companies have issued profit warnings to investors. And then even more recently, we have these decisions by companies to delay the release of their annual audited financial statements. Here is Sophia Chang again. So uh, what's happening in the, in the market is Recently, we have seen a massive group of distressed property developers in China that have missed the deadline of financial results reporting. At least 14 Chinese real estate companies in MSCI coverage, including China Evergrande and some other major ones like Kaiser Group, Shimao Group, Fantasia Holding, etc. They were not able to release their audited 2021 financial results on March 31st, as required by the listing rules, and half of them have been suspended from trading due to the delay. Um, so more, most of the companies that I mentioned, they cited the large number of additional ad, um, audit procedures and the impact of COVID-19 pandemic lockdown as the reasons why they couldn't complete the audit work on time. Which, okay, sure. I mean, we've all had our lives upended by COVID-19. Why not major companies? A lot of people are stressed. 
there's a lack of resources, places are getting shut down, they're getting reopened, so that makes sense, right? But then came the slew of auditor resignations in the real estate market. Just to name a few, Shimao Group recently being suspended from the trading due to the late finding. They had the auditors PwC resigned just a week before the reporting deadline. Same to Rongsai China and Paranong. PwC quit the companies just a few days before the reporting deadlines, and they felt I mean, the companies, they failed to publish results by the deadline. What this high number of resignations of independent auditors does is it creates an environment of uncertainty for investors. It erodes the confidence in the market that anyone can understand what is actually happening and where the liabilities are in this ever-expanding, ever-indebted Chinese real estate market. Without audited financial statements, you can't know if the company is, for example, selling itself assets, a practice called related party transactions. You can't know what guarantees are behind the loans they're taking out, what assets are underlying the loans, where the loans are propping up a domino that if it falls, the entire sector might fall. As an investor, you're basically in the dark most of the time, and the light you are given is from independent auditors, independent directors, people that give governance oversight. And so here's Miranda Carr again on what this erosion of governance control might do to companies in China, in the real estate sector, in the long run. By the way, she says private companies right in the beginning, she's making the difference between state-owned enterprises, which are SOEs, and non-state-owned enterprises. That's what she means by private companies. Okay, here she is. So what we're likely to see in the long term is a lot of the private companies are going to really struggle to raise financing. And those companies that have weak boards, um, weak board control, overstretched financing are the ones that we think are the ones which will have the greatest risk, unless there's some other factors or they have some other backers coming in to support them. So these governance metrics can, can help you identify which of the companies are most at risk during this, during this market turmoil. And so we'll see over the longer term, the stronger companies, the ones that have not had such stretch financing, not had such um, weak board control, and also probably the, the ones that have the state backing, so the SOEs, they will take up more of the market. Um, they will be able to you know, still raise financing from banks and you know, also from the bond markets. Whereas there's a risk for a lot of the smaller developers, a lot of the weaker developers, and those which haven't had such good either governance or financial control actually um, facing either bankruptcy or, or takeover. The point is... This is a story about governance issues because it just reinforces the importance of looking not just at the fundamentals of a company, but its governance controls. China Evergrande. You know how many independent directors they have? Three out of nine. You know how much the founder and chairman of Evergrande, Wai Kaiyan, owns of the company? 77%. This is a highly controlled, highly levered company that isn't alone in the Chinese real estate market. So Via Chang, my colleague you heard from earlier, she told me that of all the 14 companies in our coverage that are dealing with auditor problems and suspended training, they're all owned in similar ways as China Evergrande is, which for us, for ESG, is a signal of a possible and now looming long-term risk.
And that's it for the week. I want to thank Yan, Sophia, and Miranda for talking to me about the news with an ESG twist. I want to thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. If you like what you heard, please rate and review us. That pushes us higher up in lists. People get to hear us more. We get to have more chats that people like. It's a lot of fun. And if you want to hear me each week, don't forget to subscribe and I can be automatically downloaded to your podcast medium. Thanks again and talk to you next week. The MSCI ESG Research Podcast is provided by MSCI Inc. subsidiary, MSCI ESG Research, LLC, a registered investment advisor, and the Investment Advisors Act of 1940. And this recording and data mentioned herein has not been submitted to, nor received approval from the United States Securities and Exchange Commission or any other regulatory body. The analysis discussed should not be taken as an indication or guarantee of any future performance, analysis, forecast, or prediction. The information contained in this recording is not for reproduction in whole or in part without prior written permission from MSCI ESG Research. None of the discussion or analysis put forth in this recording constitutes an offer to buy or sell or promotional recommendation of any security, financial instrument, or product or trading strategy. Further, none of the information is intended to constitute investment advice or recommendation to make or refrain from making any kind of investment decision and may not be relied on as such. The information provided here is as is, and the user of the information assumes the entire risk of any use it may make or permit to be made of the information. Thank you.